A Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, episode 169. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, psychologist and adaptability coach to entrepreneurs and business leaders. I believe that working on your business is more important than working in your business. If you want to achieve your business goals and dreams without the cost and pain of having to make every mistake yourself, then The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for you. I'm here to help you learn from the lessons of entrepreneurs and business leaders to help you work on yourself and your business so that you can save time, energy, and grow faster. For those of you new to the show, The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai presents three new episodes each week on Insight Sunday we dive into the minds of business leaders through insightful guest interviews. On Story Tuesday, we dig deeper with them and learn firsthand from their stories, hard-earned lessons, and experience. On Thrive Thursday, it's just you and me on the couch, where you'll hear scientific research, my thoughts, and tangible tactics to adapt and grow yourself and your business. Grab a proverbial seat and listen up so you can learn from the minds and mistakes business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. For those of you who don't know, Dr. Ruth Gotian is the Chief Learning Officer and Assistant Professor of Education in Anesthesiology at Whale Cornell Medicine. Dr. Gotian is an expert in mentorship and leadership development, holding multiple awards. She served as former Assistant Dean of Mentoring and Executive Director of the Mentoring Academy and oversaw the success of nearly 1,800 faculty members at Whale Cornell Medicine and has personally coached and mentored thousands of people. Dr. Gotian is passionate and deeply engaged in research and interviewing the most successful people of our generation, including Nobel laureates, astronauts, CEOs, and Olympic champions to pick apart and learn from their habits and practices to optimize your own success. In a way, Dr. Gotian is a meta and a mega mentor, helping mentors and mentees everywhere succeed better. Dr. Gotian regularly contributes to Forbes, Psychology Today, Nature, and Scientific American, is an international keynote speaker, hosts the Mentorship Project podcast, and her new book, The Success Factor, Developing the Mindset and Skill Set for Peak Business Performance, is available on Amazon and ships out in January of 2022. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a seven-plus-figure business and want to reach the next level for yourself and your business, if you have passions, goals, and dreams and want to continue to strive as a team, a leader, and a visionary without risking burnout, if you have overcome challenges, developed wisdom, and know that adapting is not just for surviving, but a core part of thriving, then Adaptability Coaching is for you. With psychology and neuroscience-backed tools, the 3D adaptation framework can show you how to tap into and harness the way our brains are uniquely designed for adaptation. You can learn to harness and leverage adaptability tools and frameworks 
to grow yourself and your company, you can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to hone yourself further, to proactively adapt, to thrive, instead of reactively adapting, just to survive. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching. On Insight Sunday, Dr. Gautian shares her story of becoming obsessed with high performance, mentorship, and leadership development. She shares her research on the four puzzle pieces that consistently fit together in the most successful, highest performers, including Olympians, astronauts, and Nobel laureates. We talk about the difference between habits and these principles, how to cultivate them, and mindset obstacles that can get in the way of reaching your highest performance. And now, without further ado, join me in welcoming Dr. Ruth Gautian. Welcome, Dr. Gautian. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for grabbing a seat with me on the business couch today. And just by way of intro, on Insight Sunday, we dive into the mind of entrepreneurs and business leaders to uncover insights into how your mind works and extract tangible takeaways to learn and implement. And of course, there's a lot of levels and layers here because you also study and learn about peak performance and mentorship and leadership development. And so I really just wanted to start with your journey. Can you share with us and tell us a little bit about your path to becoming an expert in mentorship, leadership development, and peak performance? You mean how I got to hang out with astronauts and Olympians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. I'm kind of really jealous. <laughs> it's been a journey of taking advantage of every opportunity. I actually started business for my bachelor's and master's degrees. And like all good business students, I went into finance and international banking for a while, decided that really wasn't the right fit for me. And that's where I learned you can be good at something, but not necessarily enjoy it. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And then I went back into higher ed, but I wanted to work with people who had too much to lose, people who just wanted to do more, always had these big aspirations. So I ran a combined MD-PhD program where the students got both the MD and the PhD degree, had a 3% acceptance rate. So these students were the best of the best. Wow. And that's when I realized that to get to that level, you have to do things differently. So at the age of 43, while working full-time and raising a family and having elder care for my parents, I decided that in addition to all that, I was going to go get my doctorate and really look into this. So I studied adult learning and leadership, and I looked at the most successful physician scientists of our generation. And that's when I started with Nobel laureates and NIH Institute directors and a former Surgeon General. And then I found that they all had these four things in common. And then I got very curious to see if other high achievers follow the same path. And then I started interviewing CEOs and astronauts and Olympic champions and high level government officials. And that's when I realized that an astronaut is just like an Olympian. And if that's the case, that means we can all learn to become high achievers if we want to. So I reversed engineered their path to success and Now I go all over the globe talking about it, teaching about it, and writing about it. Wow, there's so much there. I'm like frantically writing notes and at the same time (laughs) trying very much to hold on to this. I have to ask, you mentioned there are four things that 
astronauts and Olympians have in common that people who are in that top 3% to get admitted into this really difficult program that they all share. And I just have to ask, what are they? So there's four things, and these are all things that we can learn how to do. But before I tell you what they are, what's important to realize is that you have to do all four things together. So the first thing is, first of all, these are not habits because we cannot copy somebody else's habits, right? What works for you will not work for me. If you like to wake up at four o'clock in the morning, God bless you. That's not going to work for me. Mm -hmm. But the first thing is all of the extreme high achievers have found their passion. They have found what they're intrinsically motivated to do. They're not doing it for an award, for a diploma, for promotion. They're doing it because they can't see themselves not doing it. This is what they were put on this earth to do. They would do it for free if they could. And very often they do. I tell people astronauts are government workers. They're not making all that much money. They're not training like that because of the big paycheck. They're doing it because they just love everything about the whole idea of space exploration. So the first thing is you have to find what it is you're passionate about. You have to be intrinsically motivated to do it. The second thing is the work ethic. They are going to go and try and solve a problem and they don't let up until that problem is solved. So they really work long after everyone else goes to sleep. They are still working at it. So Tony Fauci, Dr. Tony Fauci was one of the people who I interviewed and he said, if you want to drop your pen at five o'clock and go work on your hobbies, this is not, that's not what we do. We work till we get the job done. And that's why at 80 years old, he's still working, right? Because he's so passionate about it. So when they have a problem, these high achievers have a problem, they don't question if they will overcome the challenge. For them, it's a question of how to overcome the problem. Their entire mindset shifts. So instead of worrying about, oh, poor me, this happened to me, they focus all of their energy on what is the strategy to solve this problem? What have I not figured out yet? And then they work toward it until they get it. The third one is they have a super strong foundation, which they're constantly reinforcing. So they don't say, just because I got the Nobel, just because I'm an NBA champion, I don't need to work at what I do anymore. The same skills that they did early on in their career, they're still doing now. The Olympic champions, the same skills that they did in the junior high gym are the same ones that they are doing now. So one of the gold medalists, Kayla Harrington, who got the gold medal in judo twice, told me that everything that she learned in judo, she learned in her first six months when she was like seven years old, eight years old. Wow. So I don't know of a single Nobel Prize winner who stopped doing science and research once they won the Nobel. It just doesn't happen. They keep going at it. And then the last one, the fourth thing is that despite all of their accolades, they're constantly learning. The high achievers are constantly learning. Now, you can say that Mark Cuban and Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, they read three to eight hours a day. That's their informal learning. That's why they're billionaires. That's not really it. So most of us don't have three to eight hours a day to read. What they are doing, which we could emulate, is that they are open to new knowledge. So how you open yourself up to new knowledge 
is what you have to look into. So for them, reading books and the newspaper works for them, but you can read articles, you could read blogs, you can listen to podcasts such as this one to learn something new, you can talk to people, you can watch videos. They're all different ways of learning. You have to figure out what works for you. Now, the other piece is they all had mentors. It doesn't matter how many prizes they won, they still have mentors. They have a team of mentors around them that they are constantly going to for information and for perspective and for advice. And I tell people, if the most successful people in the world have it, why do you think you're above that? Have you seen one Olympian who didn't have a coach? No, they had a whole team of people helping them. But yet, for some reason, we think we don't need it. So this is something that they all have. So it's the passion, the work ethic, the strong foundation, and constantly being open to learning through informal means. Yeah. So many things there. And then there's of course the circumscribing piece, which is having that mentorship, the coaching, you know, I think it's so interesting the way we think about being humans. There's a phrase that I kind of pick apart a lot at, which is they say it takes a village to raise a person. And I think it takes a village to be a person. Oh, yes. And I think the whole concept there is there are so many times and ways in which we think that you like reach a milestone or accomplish something or develop a skill set. And then it's underneath you. You've overcome that developmental hurdle. And now you don't need to do any more of that. And I'm hearing in multiple ways here, right? One part of it was that foundation and continuing to reinforce that foundation is that just because you've developed something doesn't mean you get to put it in your pocket and it sits there forever. That actually reminds me of an article I wanted to say, by the way, your articles pop up on my feed. And that's how I knew that I was like really excited to have you on the episode. I'm so excited. And so one of the articles that popped up was an article that you were talking about where the Olympians keep their Olympic medals. They're sharing their stories, right? That was a recent one. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that that was so interesting and so meaningful and it connected so much in that it's not something they just frame and put up on the wall, despite the fact that if you ask the average person, two thirds of them would say, I would put it up on the wall, but for them, it's a touchstone. So many people think and talk about development as something you get to put behind you, you get to put up on the wall, and then it's just there forever. And that's so very much not the case. The most competitive space in the universe is actually inside of our brains. The way our brains develop and maintain skills, if we're not using it, we're losing it. It's that it's so competitive, in fact, that if you don't use something within 72 hours, those connections, those skills are actually starting to pull themselves apart and get pruned away. That's how competitive it is. Absolutely. And, you know, going back to what you're saying about where the Olympians keep their medals. And I think this is really an important lesson for all of us. So I actually put on my LinkedIn, I said, if you got an Olympic medal, where would you put it? And two thirds of the people said they would frame it and hang it up. But as it turns out, only two of the Olympians who I've spoken with actually have it on display. Everyone else has it out of sight, out of mind. A few put in the sock drawer, some have it in a safe, some have it under the bed. One of them, Scott Hamilton gave them all away. He said it was just too suffocating. Mm. He gave them all to the Ice Skating Hall of Fame. The issue is it was never about the medal. It was Mm -hmm. never about the medal. Sure, that's an achievement. Sure, you work toward that. But that is a goal. It's not the ultimate goal. There's Mm. always another goal after that. There's always a 
bigger aspiration, which is a really healthy way mm-hmm. to think about it. And all of these high achievers who I've spoken to, they said that their achievement of for what they're known for, the Nobel, the Olympics, the going to space, that's a chapter in their life. Mm-hmm. It's not the entire story. Well, I love that, that it's a chapter, not the entire story, which there's so many implications to that. It means that there are yeah. so many chapters and even other books, parts of the series to come. Yes. And that's Absolutely. how they think about it. As you talked about the four things, the passion, the work ethic, the foundation, and the continual investment in learning and openness to learning, you know, all of that sounded to me like a really healthy version of obsession. That's like the word that came to mind. It's like, they're so obsessed. They found their passion, right? And so it's the thing that they would never stop doing. It doesn't matter. Like as long as they can breathe and think and do, they're doing it. And if they're struggling to think, well, they're working on their thinking so they can do that. If something about their body isn't working the way they need it to, they're working on that so that they can get back to that. And that, that kind of work ethic is not just the nine to five and it ends at five. It's when five ends, the problem doesn't disappear. And so even when that time frame might shift, it's something that their brain is still constantly working at, that they're not done with it. They don't put it down. It's like somebody who can't put down a Rubik's cube, right? It's even if they've solved it, they go mess it up again. And they just one more time, just, and so there's, it's interesting to me because in a way it reminds me of, and I'm not saying it is, this is obviously not a diagnosis, but it reminds me of a kind of like obsessive compulsive. It's like the thoughts keep showing up and then you need to do something about it. And it just never resolves in an actually really healthy way. And I think sometimes we look at mental health as if it's only about the negative stuff, but what if there's a a healthy or positive version of obsessive compulsion where it's like, I obsess about this thing and I'm constantly doing it and I'm constantly working towards it. And that's actually really meaningful, really useful. It's a helpful goal. And my actions are really helping me move towards that, right? Not in a way that is harming myself or people around me, but in a way that's really helping me produce or create or high perform, you know, what if there's a positive side to every one of these? Well, I think it's so important because one of the things that they do, because they're constantly thinking about it, one of the key issues that high achievers all have in common is that they'll be the first to admit when they don't know something. Mm. They are very open about being vulnerable. This is beyond my skill set. This is beyond my bandwidth. And they will go to anyone to learn this. It could be someone senior to them, obviously. But if it's someone junior who just finished college, they have no problem going to that person to get Mm -hmm. insight. And I think that's so important because we're not used to going to people who are younger than us for Mm. help. So it's very important, but it's also important to realize that they know what is beyond their capacity. Mm -hmm. So I think it is a very healthy way of looking at it. The other issue is that they are all giving back in some way. Mm. So one of them will say, why did the Olympians take their medals when they go to on their speaking circuit to show people? Because they say they want it for their country. So they Mm. actually show it to people and let people touch it. A lot of them have started foundations to get people interested in what they're doing. So Mm -hmm. for example, the astronaut, Dr. Charlie Camarda, he was on the return to flight right after the Columbia disaster. He went on the flight. It was just their 16th year anniversary of it. And what they had to do, they had to fix a lot of things. And he's very, you know, he's an aerospace engineer, but he's 
very, very into high performance teams and putting high performance teams together. And since he retired from NASA, that's what he's dedicated his life to is creating high performance teams and getting kids interested in science, technology, engineering, and math, mm-hmm. and doing it in such a way that they have a lot of vertical and horizontal mentoring. So he's taking his decades of knowledge and decades of experience and giving back. He started a whole foundation for it, the Epic Challenge Foundation. And this is just one of many, many, many examples of just how high achievers pay it forward. Candace Cable, who is a has won more Paralympic medals, actually a lot of them in both winter and summer Olympics. But she uses that platform to work for rights for people with disabilities all over the world. Mm. And she has that platform and she has all those medals to go with it. They are constantly giving back. And I think that's an important lesson for all of us as well. It's never about the me, it's always about Mm -hmm. the us. It's not a self-obsession it's really tied into a mission. It's about creating and changing and improving the world, the people around them. Absolutely. I wish we had more time. We're going to have to jump right into a couch round right now. So, and I'm going to kick it off with, in your experience, does growth happen in quantum leaps or in small increments? Small bursts. Mm -hmm. Definitely small bursts. Yeah. Next, is innate talent or skill development more important in business? You need to have a baseline talent and you can always learn the skills. Mm -hmm. Next, what type of content have you been consuming lately and how do you like to consume content, whether that's for professional or pleasure, business or otherwise? I am an avid reader and I read 70 to 100 books a year. Wow. So that is how I love to learn. Mm -hmm. And when I get to speak to the authors, even better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like you're very much in pursuit of that as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you like the physical copies or do you like to listen or read digitally? It depends on the style of the book, but I always have mm-hmm. Audible, Kindle, and hardcover. Leadership books I love reading in hardcover. Autobiographies I like in Audible and for pleasure I like on the Kindle. Gotcha. Next question. What is or are your non-negotiables in life? Whether that's routines, values, time you protect, anything else? So... At work, I actually usually prefer to have all passive tasks and Zooms in the afternoon because I am definitely a morning person and like to do my most cognitive tasks in the morning. And that is pretty much a non-negotiable for me. It's rare that I'll take that exception Mm -hmm. where I'll have Zooms in the morning. Awesome. Next and last, where and how can people find and connect with you and what kind of outreach may be welcome versus what perhaps might not be so welcome? So my website is just my name, ruthgotian.com, R-U-T-H-G-O-T, like Tom, I-A-N, like Nancy. All the social media is just my name as well. And I think that's the probably the best way to reach me and hear about what I'm doing. And my book, The Success Factor, is available on on Amazon and all the booksellers, email is probably the hardest to reach me only because I get so many. Mm, got it. And those links are going to be in the show notes. So all of you out there will have access at your fingertips so you can be able to reach out and see a little bit more about what Dr. Gotian is up to. I wanted to say thank you so, so much, Dr. Gotian, for joining and sharing your thoughts and wisdom when it comes to mentorship, leadership development, peak performance. We focus so much on peak performance and your own journey in that process. 
Thank you all for listening. I really hope you gained a lot out of our conversation today where Dr. Gautian, you shared some really incredible lessons and ideas. You shared a little bit about your starting and starting, for example, in business and finance and baking and realizing you can be good at something, but if you're not intrinsically motivated, if you're not passionate about it, it may really not end up being something that you're willing or interested in doing. And of course, that permeates some of the lessons you learned as you came to really understand that the highest achieving most successful people really do things differently. And you talked about the four things, which are not habits and all really need to come together like four pieces of a puzzle in order for someone to be really high performing. I know I kind of dubbed them the obsessive compulsive, the healthy obsessive compulsive, right? Mission oriented obsession compulsion, that they need to have passion, that their work ethic is really important. They don't just put it down at the end of the day, but they keep coming back to and picking it up and thinking about it, that they have an incredibly strong foundation that they continue to invest in, that they don't just decide that, oh, I've done that. So now it's over with. And you also talked about how important it is that they're still learning and open to learning. And around all of that is that they surround themselves. They keep advisors, mentors, coaches around them to really help them. And they continually seek, they acknowledge when they don't know something and really want to help themselves develop. And so they're willing to do that as well as I know I touched on this, you touched on this, having a mission that's much greater than themselves. They want to change and improve and impact the world for good. So thank you so, so much for that. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results.